Welcome to episode eight of the Life in Bomb City podcast brought to you by the Social and Behavioral Sciences Department at Emerald College. I'm Aaron Favor. And I'm Dr. Beth Rodriguez. This podcast is produced in the Panhandle PBS and FM 90 studios on the Washington Street campus. It's available in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, podcast apps, and podcatchers. Beth and I are with Frank Belize and with Amy Presley, who Frank teaches history in our department. And Mr. Belize is a graduate of Freed Hardman University. Uh, he went on to study theology and receive a Master's of Divinity from Harding School of Theology in Memphis, Tennessee. After that, Frank got a master's, a second master's degree at Yale Divinity School in New Haven, Connecticut. He's currently a PhD candidate at Texas Tech University in the field of history. He teaches American history here at AC. Um, he was a minister among Churches of Christ for about 25 years, and he's a huge film buff. Uh, great to have you with us this morning. Frank. Thanks so much. I've been a fan of the podcast ever since I started listening, and uh, so I'm one of your listeners, and so when I had the opportunity to get to sit in on today's episode, thrilled, honored, all and, that. Yeah. And you're a wonderful colleague as well to both yes, Beth and we're I. excited to be here. Um, uh, Amy Presley is the program director here at FM90. She's going to be joining us as well. Amy also co-hosts the uh, podcast Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. We've mentioned it uh, prior in prior episodes at the very, very end. Today's uh, topic, and that is the end of my credentials. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about this for like four minutes, and I'm like, "Cool, I'm you should have started with me." Uh, Hi. Well, I, part of your credentials I didn't get to yet. I was going to say that, okay. that Amy and her husband, uh, notably, just now uh, they did blow everyone away in a Christmas movie trivia contest at recreation. Boom! And she, who needs a PhD when you can win at recreation? And, and let it be duly noted that you know, Amy's probably young enough to be my daughter. So I, I have a I have a head start on you there when it comes to uh, education. <laughs> so. Very excited about uh, our, our topic today. It's safe to say that um, countless families uh, spend hours and hours watching holiday movies together outside of playing games and drinking hot chocolate. We thought we would share with our listeners some of our own favorite movies to watch this time of year, as well as talk about the reasons why we like to watch them. So, Yeah, before we get going, I'm just wondering, are you guys going to stay in town or are you all traveling for the holidays? I have uh, parents siblings, children. My wife and I have six children total. Wow. Uh, so that's a pretty difficult crew to get together all at the same time. I'm waiting to hear from my kid's sister who lives in Arkansas as to when she's coming this direction because I live closer to our folks than she does. So when she and her crew show up, that's when I think I'll try to show up. But the rest of the time I'll be in Amarillo. Okay. I um, will be closing on a new house a month from today exactly. So congratulations! Thank you. I will be packing all of Christmas. I will not be going anywhere. But so instead of unwrapping, you're going to be wrapping. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, all Christmas long. Don't so. wrap up the cat. Yeah, oh, it's if you have one, right? Does your cat like Jello? Yeah. <laughs> congratulations! Thank you. And closing on the new house. We're Thanks. actually staying here. We 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 left town for Thanksgiving. And so uh, my wife's family is all here, and we're looking forward to kind of bedding down here in the in the Panhandle and uh, just enjoying uh, Christmas in the High Plains. Yeah, we're going to my parents' ranch, Cheyenne Station Ranch, is what it is. It's between here and Boys Ranch and Channing. It's kind of out in that area, and so the whole family's coming down. So my brother, who just moved from California down to Fort Worth, is coming. My sister's coming, and my other brother, all the kids, everybody. So it should be a lot of fun. Wow. No, I'm excited. Wide open spaces with the family. Yes. All right. 
That's right. Exciting. Okay, so we decided we were going to do this in chronological order um, rather than just go around the table and just kind of like, you know, hit randomly. Uh, 1983, A Christmas Story comes out. Who loves A Christmas Story? Uh, me? Well, that's like my, my, that's my jam, y'all. <laughs> so I, I, I can say I'm a pretty solid Christmas story fan because I have a full size leg lamp, uh, that, that resides in my living room year round. It does not ever leave. So, uh, once you put the leg lamp out, you, it's hard to just take that away right. and, and put it somewhere else. Like now, did I can't you, just store it. Yeah. Is that, did you win that in the uh, Christmas movie? <laughs> I, did, I did contest? not. I think I won a, a gift certificate to recreation when I won that. Uh, I did not win a major award. Uh, I won a minor award, but it was still a good award. Uh, but I love, I love the, I think that it's a period piece and that mm -hmm. kind of sets it up. So you've got, and what we were talking about before we got started, we don't really know what year it's set in. And there's been a lot of people talk about what year it could be. So what are we, what are our thoughts on the, what year we think it could be? When I watch that movie, I think, okay, 1940s. Yeah. And that's about as specific as I can Pre -war. get. Pre-war. Something like, or maybe in the midst of, of the war, something maybe. like that. I think, of course, a, a, a car buff, you know, someone who knew about the history is, could look at the models that are on the street in, yeah, the, right. in the parade scene or when they go downtown mm -hmm. uh, to, or the car that the family has or whatever uh, and maybe have an idea about that. But I, 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 you're right. that it's, it's a debated issue among Christmas story buffs as right. to what year specifically it is. And that's what it was. I think um, I was reading somewhere that they were looking at one of the calendars that was on the wall ah. and they were saying that. One of the days it came, I think on there, it was December 25th was on a certain day and that only happened in this year. Or so, I mean, it was like this wow. huge discussion about what year it really was. Well, so. the book that it was based on was actually written in 66 um, and it's called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. And I've actually read that <laughs> book as well. Um, and it was written by Gene Shepard. But, you know, so yeah, I'm sure it's all Who is also the narrator. Y yes, of, uh, the, of for, the film. Of, uh or for the main character. Yes, of uh, Ralphie. Ralphie. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so not only is he a hilarious writer, but his voice yeah. is just so great um, yeah. in that movie. I didn't realize, like, um, whenever I was in high school, my boyfriend's family had never seen that film. And I was like, how have you not seen this? Um, but they were big on Miracle on 34th Street, and they had their favorites. And so I introduced them to that, to that film, and they were like, this is so good. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it just, it makes you think about your own childhood. It makes you think about department stores and catalogs and, you know, how do you get your parents to buy you a, a BB gun when you probably yeah. don't need one, you know. Yeah. Imagination uh, <laughs> surrounding and all the magic of Christmas itself. Yes. He's going and all, having all these dreams yeah. uh, of, of what's what, what life will be like once he does get what he's asking for. Yeah. If he all, gets all the bad guys are going to get shot yeah, and they're going to run away. The family. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> save your family. It's like, um, I love the imagination that goes into mm -hmm. that film. Um, because it really does take you back your, to your own childhood. It does. I think my favorite part really is, is that it's so family oriented. It's like they, they all listen to the, uh, the radio show together because there's no TV. They don't have their electronics that they're going to do anything. He's waiting on that decoder ring from the little orphan Annie show. You know, just all of that little part. It just shows like that time period. And I love that. It makes it seem so much more like Christmas is a big deal. 
Mm-hmm. Like now it seems like Christmas comes and goes. And I, maybe it's because we're adults now. Yeah. But it just feels like it's here and then it's gone. But I remember as a kid, it was like this, you waited forever and it was this big, huge thing. And that's kind of how I feel. Like mm-hmm. when he goes up to the Santa Claus and asks, you know, if that line is forever. And then he gets to, you know, he gets to finally ask him for it. And I just think all of that whole situation just is so neat. I so identify with Ralphie because I was the goofy kid who would like, you know, knew exactly what I wanted for Christmas. And then I would, I was the kid who was likely to freeze up when I was, and what do you want for Christmas, little boy? A football? Sure, a football. I don't know what (laughs) I want. And then he has to scramble back and say, no, what I really want is the Red Ryder BB gun. So yeah, I, I was, you know, kind of like that. And, and I love the, the, the fantasy that he has where uh, he eventually goes blind as a result of the life boy <laughs> soap. That. That's right. Uh, and, you know, these fantasies, like these revenge fantasies that you had uh, against your parents for making you do whatever it was. Twice. So for me, Twice. it was like, yeah, it was like like getting, uh, taking out the trash at night, you know, and going out to the dumpster uh, in my little hometown in Oklahoma. Uh, of course, there were all kinds of monsters, bad people, you know, between the back door of my house and the, and the dumpster in the alley. And so that was really cruel uh, to have sent me out there uh, to take out the trash. And I remember having like these revenge fans, like they'll be sorry when I get abducted, you know, or or murdered or whatever it is while taking out the trash. Soap poisoning. Yeah. Right. Soap poisoning. I think uh, we all, though, can identify with Ralphie like as a kid because I was blonde headed. I had glasses. I was real nerdy. Like I was probably, you know, the kid. Well, I, I was not the kid that was going to do the triple dog dare you. Like I was not that kid. That's me. Yeah. See, I was not going to fall for that, but I would have been the bystander that would have totally went and told the teacher like, Oh man, like some bad stuff just happened. I'm like, who is involved? Um, even the well, bullies, even the bullies in that movie yeah. seem like they're kind of endearing. Yeah. In a weird right? way. They, we've got the music from Peter and the wolf, the wolf yeah. scene. Where it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, it really kind of captures the fear uh, that you kind of experience as a kid whenever you're trying to avoid yeah. that type of conflict. And who hasn't had to wear something stupid that one of your relatives gave you yeah. for Christmas? Yeah. You know what Every I mean? Family, like, like right? I, I totally identified with that. I was like, oh man, you know, there's always one sweater or <laughs> hat or something that and somebody bought you. so hard <laughs> yeah. to make this for you. So you're morally right. obligated yes. to wear it. Exactly. Uh, or, and this, and of course food is like that too. Like there's a yeah. Something, you, you, you better you eat that. You have to eat it. Yeah. You can't identify it. It yeah. doesn't smell good, look good. <laughs> you you know you're going to get sick, but you know this you person works so it. hard. You got to try it. You got to eat so it. So true. Okay, stuff. so what is your absolute favorite part of that movie? Honestly, I think because <laughs> I identify with this really hard too. My dad loved cars and was a mechanic and all of that. Something about holding the hubcap with the bolts in it and him he's you know timing it time me my dad was all about time me like he that's what he was about and every road trip time me you Mm -hmm. know I'm gonna beat my time to (laughs) Oklahoma City this time you know so um yeah that part and the oh fudge but I didn't say fudge you know that whole part is like and you know and then it comes to the soap and all of that so I love that part Mm -hmm. I identify with that and I think it's like so jolly and happy and then it's like in a kid's mind, it is tragic mm-hmm. when you say the F word in front of your family, especially yeah. in a Christian household, especially right. in the 40s. Exactly. So, and, and, <laughs> so and close every, to Christmas. Yeah, in, that too. In, in every family, probably in every marriage, like there's this bit of denial that 
permits the relationship to be as good as it is. Yes. So this whole thing about, well, where have you, where did you learn that word? Yes. Yes. And of course the old man cusses a blue streak, right? Every time he fixes the furnace yes. or whatever, yes. and it's like, hmm, where did you hear that yes. word? It's it must have come point. from, it must have come from outside. Do, do, do you all remember your first swear word in front of your parents? Cause I totally do. And I, where did I learn it? My father. So <laughs> I, I think that that's a really good point, and it's it's really funny uh, to think about that the furnace is uh, he's in perpetual oh, conflict that. with the furnace. Yes. I love that, and the dogs next door, and I mean just everything. It's just a great that is a great movie. And if they're hillbillies next door, of course their last name is Bumpus, of which course. is the <laughs> quintessential hillbilly name. Uh, the Bumpus family next door with all the hound dogs. Oh, that's good. So we get to 1987. You know, I picked Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon is one of one of my favorite Christmas movies, and it seems like it's kind of maybe an unconventional one. Maybe it's not even a Christmas movie, but it's certainly set around Christmas time. Yeah, there's uh, Christmas lights in some scenes and there, music. There's Christmas so. music throughout. It is. Uh, it starts when when the movie starts, and I'm not sure why it's one of my Christmas movies. It's something I grew up on. Uh, my dad, anything that my dad was watching, I was watching. So Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, anything that was going on there. Uh, was something that I was brought into the orbit of. So <clears throat> the character, some of the characters of uh, Lethal Weapon, like uh, like Martin Riggs and Murtaugh, who's just turned 50, and he's trying to deal with his issue of getting older. Uh, uh, dealing with his younger partner. Dealing with a younger partner who is uh, a <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Beth, Beth and Beth's I are only two, two years apart. I know, but he okay. seems a lot younger. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple reasons. Okay, okay. So uh, Martin Riggs, though, is someone who uh, I'd like to emphasize. Martin, Martin Riggs is somebody that's gone through some traumatic events. He, in it's the, the movie starts with, Christmas music and it seems like it's jolly, but then you have a, a, a scene where a, a girl is doing cocaine and she takes a leap off of the building. Uh, and so it starts off with suicide. Then we move into the crime elements of the, uh, of the movie itself. There are some things that make the movie notable historically, um, but we don't have to get into those. In addition to that though, he's a Vietnam war vet. Vietnam is a, is a massive uh, underpinning motif of the uh, movie. Um, we have uh, all of these different things, and they deal with family. So this is really important. Murtaugh is the stable character. Detective Murtaugh has the family. Detective Murtaugh has the the kids that are growing up. They're getting uh, they're getting bigger. The uh, Martin Riggs doesn't have any family. His wife was killed in a car crash, and he is suicidal he's dealing with that. He's having to figure out how to deal with it. It highlights a couple of different things. Number one, it highlights that Christmas isn't fun for everyone. It's difficult. The holiday season can be incredibly difficult for, for people that have lost loved ones and people that are in uh, a period of bereavement. And so I don't know why I chose it as a favorite movie. I think that it's something that... It's because, it, you know why? Because there's a hero there it's during that time there's a lot of action in it and i mean with almost every movie right we wrap something up it gets wrapped up and for the most part the good guys win and that's a good christmas i mean that's always a good christmas story that's good right. guys win in the end it's an action it's an action movie too which you know is appealing you know as we get into die hard and stuff like that but also it's uh it, it it's got that element to it but 
Um, maybe there's that historic element to, of the Vietnam era as well, where in the 1980s, America is kind of having to deal with what happened in the 1970s and the 1960s and that uh, being dealt with in pop culture. What do you think, Frank? Absolutely. I mean, we've, we've come a long way since Vietnam, although it's still kind of in our national, part of our national DNA. But one of the things that's happening about the time, as you were talking about the movie, Aaron, one of the things I thought about was that around that time, we were right on the verge of getting to the point where you could distinguish between whether or not you agreed as an American with the mission of uh, an invasion or military presence around the world and separate that from the people whose duty it was to actually do that. I think that during the Vietnam era itself, we had instances where people returned from Vietnam and were called baby killers. There's numerous stories of people being spit upon when they landed. They had to travel in uniform, uh, even if they were on a commercial carrier. Uh, And so a lot of times those guys were not treated very well. Uh, We get to uh, the first Gulf War, and Americans by that point learned to say, um, I'm not exactly sure what I think about this war or this uh, this military uh, involvement in Kuwait or Iraq, but uh, I stand by the troops. That that was one of the mantras, and, and that was kind of a moment where we were able to separate between uh, the troops who were responsible for carrying out a mission and the administration, right, who ordered uh, that mission. So uh, that movie comes out at a time that's pretty close to that that threshold, I think, in in recent history. It's a it's a really interesting uh, movie, anyway. But it's it's also a lot of fun to watch. There's lots of action in it, and uh, and, of, and of course, there's a lot of really interesting uh, plot lines. It's one of my husband's favorites. He'll watch it every time it's on. All of them. What, how many are there? I think there's four. Okay. He'll watch every single one if he can, no matter what. So, (laughs) yeah, they're all different and they all tackle different political issues. I think by lethal weapon four, we're dealing with gangs and uh, cop killer bullets and things Mm -hmm. like that. So there's a social component to it. And it's really fun to talk about. Um, We get to 1988 and it's die hard season. Die hard has been nominated and has won among several uh, awards among men as being the best Christmas movie of all time. And what's interesting... <laughs> Again, it's funny, because the only thing that really makes it a Christmas movie is that he came to surprise his wife at her new business, and they're having a Christmas party. <laughs> well, literally, that's yeah. it. Exactly. Right. And, I mean, we've got the music and all that other stuff. We've got the, the police officer that's down there kind of keeping him grounded. Uh, McLean, this is uh, Officer or Detective John McLean from, uh, from New York, who comes to uh, visit his wife in Los Angeles. Uh, there's memes all over the internet that say, you know, it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi, <laughs> Nakatomi Tower or Plaza. Hans Gruber, by the way, is uh, played uh, significantly enough by, uh, by Alan Rickman, who becomes really, really important in American pop culture and in British pop culture with his, uh, with his identity as uh, Professor Snape mm-hmm. uh, in the Harry Potter series. And he, he goes on. He's a great bad guy. He played, what did he play? He's the bad guy in uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He was the, the, the naughty sheriff of Nottingham. Right. He's the one, like, he's the guy who steps on. You're like, oh, there's the bad guy. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you are. But he, yeah. plays, he plays a German terrorist in this movie uh, who's really not a terrorist. He's, that's, a, that's all like guys. And really what he wants is he's, he's a bank robber, essentially. You know, and 
And so McLean, once again, we have this hero, I guess, uh, the one person that's gonna, that, can, that can do anything. He happens to step out of the room to go change his clothes. And uh, he witnesses the killing of, the, uh, of one of the CEOs or whatever it is of the company. And he goes on a one-man hunt. It's kind of like the movie Alien, where yeah. one by one these guys get picked off. And he's using all of these Christmas terms like ho, 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 uh, who's I've got the weapon now or whatever. I've, now I've got a gun, I think is when he says. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, we've got the yippee-ki-yay scene um, where they, the Hans Gruber starts to identify him as a cowboy. And he's like, yeah, I'm a cowboy. So even though he's from New York, is, clearly. Yeah, that's completely wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> so New York, you're not a cowboy. But because they're from the United States and Texas just happens to be really big, now everybody from the United States is a cowboy. That's and he says that. Hans Gruber says yes. that. He's like, what are you, and just another American cowboy who's seen one too many movies? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. My, Die Hard, another one. My husband will watch it every single time it's on. My kids now know the Die Hard. They know all Die Hard. Um, even the newest one where he is with his own kids, which kind of brings out the whole idea. But that one, I don't know if that one's during Christmas or not. Um, my husband loves uh, Commando. That's his all-time oh, favorite movie. Great, great movie. And I've heard this is actually, Die Hard is, was supposed to be the second Commando movie. Um, and it was actually, I think, written by the same writers. That's why you're getting these cheesy, quote-unquote, one-liners. Mm-hmm. It's the let-off Steam Bennett kind of, you know, those kind of one-liners. Um, but, you know, it's like they took his daughter, he got the daughter back, and then this was supposed to be the next thing oh, okay. that they were going to do. How do I know this? Because my husband won Die Hard Trivia. I did not because I've never seen <laughs> any of them. So oh, <laughs> now, uh, it's definitely one of those uh, one of those movies that uh, a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if it's just if it's a gender thing or if it's just something that uh, we grew up with in the 1980s that we just uh, we identify with with the holiday season. So. Well, I'll tell you this. The 80s is probably the best time for all these movies because my favorite one is the um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And it was in right at the end, but in 1989. And I just, first of all, Chevy Chase is probably the funniest person still. He's hilarious. And the fact that um, Christmas Vacation, they had to do a Christmas. I mean, it was just like they had to because he's perfect for that whole idea and then of course cousin eddie i mean really he is i think he is the best character out there every family right has a cousin eddie and uh, for our listeners you need to little reflection here if you if you think about your extended family and you don't know who cousin eddie is it it might just be you yeah yeah more than likely just think about it yeah but it just, it's the best because it really does. It brings about just everything that's happening in the holidays. It's very family, again, oriented. And, I mean, they have so much extended family that shows up to their house and now they're responsible, which does bring up that idea of, you know, Christmas is supposed to be so much fun, but it really, there's a lot of stuff that has to go into it. And it's, it's just, which, which it means so many job. things can go wrong. Oh, yes. Which it's, that it's, makes it It's sort of like a wedding, right? There's so yeah. many moving parts. Something's bound to go wrong. So just kind of try to enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, in spite of its imperfections. And, and it's full of and great problems. one-liners. It's full of great physical comedy, oh. facial comedy. I swear, Chevy Chase has one of the best facial expressions in every scene. He doesn't have to say a word, and you know exactly what he's feeling. You were talking about the one-liners. So when my wife and I, when when it's starting to get a little tense, and we want to break <laughs> the tension, and just like, okay, we need to like de-escalate here, the line is, don't piss me off, Art. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is what Chevy Chase says to his father-in-law, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. There's so, also a story about a little bit about that a dad who is trying to do the very best job that he can to deliver the holiday season, the best holiday season, a memorable season to his family, and the fan, the whole family working toward that end. And he, you see that with the Christmas lights, yeah. Yeah. the scene where they, he actually lights it up and the neighbors, they have, they can't do anything because they can't see anything. They're blinded by it. Yes. I have very fond memories. I, my dad's coming up a lot in this conversation. I lost my dad 17 years ago, uh, this January. Um, but my dad was a heavy smoker back in the eighties would not sit through a movie. Like it would never happen. And that was the one movie he went and saw in the theater oh. with my mom and I. So I have very fond memories of like watching that movie. And I think the, you know, I laugh through the entire movie always, but the part where he's actually hanging the Christmas lights and he's on the ladder and he keeps doing his hand like around Is that not the funniest <laughs> scene. He can't figure out the how physical to- comedy in that one section is just perfection. It's so good. And when he loses it and goes over there, I always, <laughs> I always have to laugh when he punches the Santa. Yeah, he takes it out I on the Santa, it. and he kicks, kicks him into the air. Right. I also love when he has the chainsaw, and she says, "Are you okay?" And he says, "We needed a coffin." We needed a tree. So it's like the, the slip of the tongue. I just, I love the whole movie. It's well, perfection. Speaking of the tree, when the squirrel comes flying, oh my gosh, that we just die. Because my dad, <laughs> I reminds me of Chevy Chase so often because he does stuff like that. Like he doesn't think, he gets himself in situations that we're like, what are you doing? Because he just... He's like, he just goes all out without thinking of the next thing that's going to happen. When you're a dad, you, you want to, you're responsible for fixing everything, whether you know what you're doing or not. Right. So that's a big part of the comedy of this movie is just, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's my job to do it. So we go out to saw down a tree, but I didn't bring the saw or whatever. Yeah. Another thing that I love is that (laughs) even though cousin Eddie might be kind of like the, the outcast or the black sheep of the family, he's just as welcome as everybody else. In fact, he asks, he asks Clark uh, if his kids can sleep inside. And he says, okay, no problem, we'll make room. And there's something about that as well that just kind of brings, brings it home with, uh, with regard to the holiday. Yeah. And my, I mean, Cousin Eddie, I mean, really, he tries, he has, it's like he has a great heart. He just doesn't know <laughs> what he's doing. Doesn't he say that at one point in the movie? He says, like, his uh, heart is bigger than his brain. And he's yes. like, well, thanks, Clark. Like, he takes it as a compliment. Um, you know, and, and I think that duo of, you know, um, that's Randy, correct? Randy Dennis Quaid. Is, Dennis yes. is the, the, the good one. Yes. <laughs> Randy's the one that kind of fell off the radar a little bit. It was but, an Independence Day. Um, yeah. And so, the, the you know, Randy and Chevy to the, together are just, like, they play so well together. Uh, I love watching them together. And it's just one thing after another. Like, he's trying to help Clark. (laughs) And he goes and kidnaps his boss. And it's like, what? Like, why would you think that was the way to help him? (laughs) Like, who in a million years would be like, yes, I need to help him. So I'm going to kidnap his boss and bring him (laughs) over here. Like, that's just, and that just shows, you know, people look at things a different way. And he was, he was trying to be sweet. 
It just was a bad situation. I love that part when uh, Clark Griswold says, you know, what I really want for Christmas is my boss to be right here in this living room. And you can see on <laughs> the, the side, turning. right, right. <laughs> the, the, uh, Cousin Eddie is thinking, that's exactly what I'll do. You know, yes. and you can see him imagining that's what he's, and sure enough, he goes and does it. It's I great. also really love the part of the movie when he gets trapped uh, up in the attic, when Clark is in the attic <laughs> and he's biding time and you're trying to find warm clothes and he finds these great home movies and you have Ray Charles serenading, you know, this beautiful moment and he's watching these old videos and tearing up and then you know she pulls the the ladder and he falls down but i love the chevy chase is just he brilliant Mm -hmm. at physical comedy um i've heard he's terrible to work with but yeah reputation's not reputation's not good but Mm -hmm. he is literally what a study in i mean he's a buster keaton kind of physical comedian hilarious um but written by john hughes who is absolutely one of my favorite writers probably forever. Um, you know, we're talking breakfast club, we're talking 16 candles and he went on this run of Christmas movies. And then he kind of went off the map for a while. You know, he had some, a bunch of movies that were not great. One of the other Christmas movies that John Hughes was a part of was home alone, uh, which we have not talked about at all, which I just watched a show about home alone. One of my favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, that's Hands my, down. that is my husband's favorite. That's what yeah. he said. I was, we were talking about it and he said home alone. And I yeah. was like, Oh, it's, that is such a good so one. Good. How did we, how did, how did that <laughs> slip by? I don't know. So well, we should, we can definitely talk about, I mean, it yeah. is, it's a great, it also brings up the whole idea of like it almost, um, the idea of like, you have to be good or yeah. you're getting in trouble, but also it shows a lot of independence in a small kid. Like really truthfully, would that ever happen now? No. Oh my gosh, people would freak out. Okay, yeah, and so the fact that there were no cell phones, so they're trying exactly. to track down a pay phone at the, at yes. the airport. It's, and, it's you know. life before <laughs> yeah. versus life yeah. during, after cell yes. phones, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my students the other day, we were in class and they, they wanted to, they wanted to be able to just, you know, so every now and then they'll say, we want, we just want to watch a movie. And, and, their response, I said, well, what would we even watch if y'all wanted to watch a movie? We're not going to do that. But if you wanted to watch a movie, what would we watch? They said, Home Alone. And I said, well, how in the world would I ever justify that? They said, it's Castle Doctrine. He's defending his own. Well, that is true. That is true. Actually, uh, you know, there's a, a Netflix show out right now. It's called The Movies That Made Us. And it's docu- a little mini docs about different movies. And they do, Home Alone is one of them. Uh, but they do Ghostbusters and Dirty Dancing and... Um, there's another one they do. Anyways, the Home Alone one is brilliant because they shot most of that in a school. Uh, it was like an old school and they built all of the sets inside of the school. So the the end when he starts flooding the basement and all of that, they actually built that in the pool at the school and then they could flood it because it was inside of a pool. Wow. Um, but I Smart. learned a ton of things about that movie. Um, you know, and obviously Macaulay Culkin, my goodness, what a great little actor he was. I mean, he sold it. He did. He absolutely sold it. Um, But, you know, Joe Pesci playing a bad guy. Oh, what? Joe Pesci being the bad guy. But uh, they had looked at Robert De Niro to play that role, which I think would equally be as as funny. I think it would. But something about him and um, help me with his name. I don't, the tall guy. I can't think of what his name is. Oh, my gosh. My husband's going to kill me. Uh, Stern. Daniel Stern. Yeah. Um, There's this, the way they look. You've got this tall, lanky guy. The short mobster looking guy. And I think that's like it's like Mario and Luigi. Or, you know, you've got 
these great I always think duos. of those dogs. Like yeah. the little bitty dog and the big dog. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. no. So you've got yeah. these great duos and it just somehow works with those two guys. But it's a great one. Castle Doctrine. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it it's the look of Abbott and Costello, <laughs> right? right? Yes. That's how they yes. look. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, so it's the same. And you've got this amazing, once again, physical comedy. I guess I'm like perpetually an eight-year-old because I just think it's hilarious <laughs> when people fall down. But, um, you know, who doesn't love an iron to the face? Like, right? that's really funny. And then stepping on the nail. I mean, it's almost like you can feel it. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, like that hurts so bad. And I mean, it is, it, that is a great, that is really good one. The iron in the face actually leaves the mark. Yes. yes. And you it's know? so funny because he is. like turns it on and leaves it hot. And yeah. And so then the hand. The handle. Yeah. yeah. The hand. <laughs> so anyways, I just wanted to bring up that one. I think that's a, that's a staple. It is. Yeah. Thank definitely. you for bringing it up. That's a good one. Yeah. And last but not least, I mean, really, this is one of the best. And Frank has brought up this one. So I'll let you run with it. Shortly after 2003, my children introduced me to this movie that they had seen that I had not yet seen. And, uh, of course, this was uh, Elf um, starring Will Ferrell and uh, has you know, quickly sort of uh, established itself as a, a Christmas movie um, one of the standards, uh, certainly one of the 21st century uh, standards for a Christmas movies. So it's sort of kind of added to this list that we've kind of already gone through of, of movies that came before Elf that are just, you know, absolute, virtually instant, whatever classics um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the category of Christmas movies. I really love so much about this movie. One of the major themes that, that really sticks out to me is this idea that, you know, Buddy the Elf, played so brilliantly by Will Ferrell, is this guy who doesn't fit anywhere. And I think everyone's kind of had this experience of no matter where I go, no matter what circles I find myself in, I always sort of seem at the edge. I always seem a little bit like a fish out of water. Everyone's kind of felt like that. How come everyone else's relationships are so easy or immediate? And it, and it always seems like when I attempt, you know, so when he, here's this full grown guy, right, who's supposed to be an elf, uh, at the North Pole because he's a, he's, he's not built like the other elves. Uh, and so he doesn't fit there. Uh, but then he's, he's grown up in elf society. And the, so when he gets to New York city, he doesn't fit there. He doesn't even fit in his own family because they don't recognize him as first as, as, uh, as one of their own. So I think that's kind of what, and you know, there's, a, there's a point in the movie where he's kind of been rejected by everything and everyone uh, there in New York. And I think everyone's kind of felt like that at one time or another. So um, I think that's kind of interesting. I thought to myself, you know, who could have played Buddy the Elf other than Will Ferrell? And I got to reading about this movie and realized uh, that it was originally written uh, for Jim Carrey, that the, mm. that the writer of the screenplay was thinking Jim Carrey. Now, that would be interesting. Of course, you know, we'll never know unless they decide to do a remake, but why would you do that now uh, <laughs> since it's been done so brilliantly? But I think, okay, if there's one other person maybe who could have been Buddy the Elf, uh, it would have been Jer Jim Carrey, but the uh, the role wound up being played by Will Ferrell, and it's just absolutely, you know, the, the innocence, um, the not being aware of, of, of things. Uh, there's so many great performances in this movie, not just Will Ferrell. Um, now, James Caan, as, as the, the father, uh, the, the, the only hang up I have about that is I'm such a big Godfather fan <laughs> that when I see 
uh, James Caan, I think, okay, this is Santino, Sonny Corleone. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, he still looks, you know, enough like that with his curly hair and everything. Not all the characters from Godfather did that. We talked about that yesterday at lunch. Yes. Some of them have aged very differently. Diane Keaton, Al Pacino. They look a lot different. I mean, I, I think that if at the time that The Godfather came out, you imagined, okay, what's this person going to look like 25 yeah. or 30 years from now? The way they looked 25 or 30 years later was not what they looked like. But, uh, and with Al Pacino, the way he, the way he sounds. His yeah. voice changed quite a, a bit. Big time, yeah. Um, I, the, I was late to the game on watching the Godfather. I mean, I didn't grow up watching the Godfather, like as a child, like I'm going to go mom, dad, I'm going to go watch the Godfather. Um, but I watched it when I was in my twenties and you know, Pacino had aged by that point. And I remember watching it and I was like, who is this guy? He is kind of hot. Yeah. And then I was like, that's Al Pacino. Like, really? Oh, that's him. Yeah. I mean, he was, a, he was a really attractive guy, but he fit that role, that very powerful, good looking, you know, mafia so, guy. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things about the elf is how, um, is that the elf or elf? <laughs> it's not the elf. Um, is how they put him in all the little bitty stuff. Yeah. Like how they put him in the tiny shower, the tiny bed, how they make him look so huge compared to his elf dad. And I, I think that is what is so, one of the things that is so funny about it. And I love that they, like they thought to do that instead of just making him like an elf who's displaced, but they made him like a tall guy, not just a regular size, but a really tall person mm-hmm. against all the elves. And I like how they managed to make it really look like he was not. So visually, it's very yes. obvious that here's someone who mm. doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, the connection to the Chris, to a Christmas story, of course, is Peter, Peter Billings makes yeah. a cameo. Yes, as uh, an elf. Ming Ming. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's an uncredited role. Yeah. Uh, in the, but uh, but you Ralphie, know it's him the minute you see his eyes. You're right. like, that's so clearly that's, Ralphie. That's Ralphie. Yeah. Uh, uh, in that movie, and then uh, the the bad Santa, the 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 imposter Santa yes. in the store is none other than uh, Howard Stern's old radio buddy mm-hmm. Artie, Artie Lang, Lang. who yeah, plays really. that role brilliantly and smells like beef and, and cheese. Smells yeah. like beef and cheese. I think about which, that every time I'm having a snack of beef <laughs> jerky right. and cheese. Right, mm-hmm. I probably right. smell like beef, beef and cheese. And cheese now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I, and also this was kind of, you know, Zoe Deschanel, this was her, mm-hmm. her first time really singing in front of everybody, I think. And um, I remember watching this thing going, I need this girl to put out an album. And then of course she and did. She so, did. Yeah. Her um, voice is amazing. But I yeah. love, what I love so much about them too, they both really contradict each other, like are contrasting to each other. Like he's all happy and da da, da And she's yeah. a fabulous singer. But if you look <laughs> at her, she just looks sarcastic and a little pissed off all the time, you know? <laughs> so and, it's, cool. and I love it. And it's just, you know, they're really like opposite, but they're, they become, they come together because the same, the same, they just have the same interest. And I think that's really, that's yeah. another thing that's really cool about the show. Another tidbit about casting is I think that one of the two security guards, mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, takes, you know, the Will Ferrell character out of the empire state building. I believe that's one of Will Ferrell's brothers. Oh, it could oh, be. It I Very think so. Possibly, so yeah. yeah. So the, the, the casting in this movie is really kind of uh, interesting yeah. with Ed Asner yes. and uh, Bob Newhart. Bob yes. I mean, Newhart is lovely. Quite a, quite yeah. a cast uh, for it this is. movie, but uh, just absolutely memorable, enjoyable, uh, classic for all the right reasons. And lots of sure. one-liners again. Yes. Lots of one-liners. <laughs> it's chock full of them. Well, here we are uh, at the at the beginning of the Christmas season. Hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas. In Christmas spirit, Beth and I got you a gift, Frank, for being on the show. You and I had visited about uh, 
this book, Farewell to Arms, this Aww. is this copy is from 1953. Wow. It's wow, a, this is incredible. Okay, it's a 1953 paperback copy of A Farewell to Arms, and it looks like a 1950s, and the, the cover art and just the color and everything. It thank you so much. But it's so a really good copy. It's much. really cool. It's a, wow. And it would sell for a lot more than its original. Thirty five cents. Thirty five cents <laughs> was the original selling price for this. Wow. Uh, thank you That's so Merry Christmas. much. Thank you so cool. much. Merry Christmas. I won't read this at Christmas time though. Right, that would be a real downer. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, but thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Okay, listeners, we are uh, so glad you got to meet another one of our faculty members, and you got to meet uh, Amy Presley. Who Who's technically a faculty member as she's, well. Yeah, so. she's a faculty member. I, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> uh, we're grateful to work with such caring individuals in both our department and on our campus, though, to be frank. And uh, we have two future episodes. Uh, we have an episode with Dr. Alan Key, also from our department, that will be over rational emotive behavior therapy, and that is upcoming, as well as Beth and I's third episode in our Opioid Crisis Trilogy. And that will be over treatment for addiction with an as of now unconfirmed guest that is an addiction psychiatrist. But we hope to get that guest confirmed soon. Once again, before we go, Beth and I would like to recommend a, uh, another podcast also produced here in the Panhandle PBS and FM 90 studios. And that would be Amy's podcast. Uh, she and Hillary Holsey uh, co-host Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. They talk about different genres of books with special guests and authors. It's available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and other podcast apps and podcatchers. So thank you again to our guests this morning. Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Thank you guys for coming. We'll be back soon with another episode.